0: Hey, this is Steve Polk, Executive Pastor at First Baptist Rock Hill. I'm excited to welcome you to this online broadcast. Our pastor has a great message for us today. I really am looking forward to hearing it. We're going to be talking about the lessons that we learn in life and sin from the story of Cain and Abel. Just when you thought that the Old Testament was old and didn't have anything pertinent for your life today, you're going to get a message that's going to really challenge you. That's going to help us understand just how we can grow in our walk with, with Christ and see those examples and illustrations uh, from those two guys way back in the early part of Genesis. So let's pray together. Uh, before we pray, grab your notebook and journal, uh, grab a pen, grab your Bible, and uh, let's get ready to hear from the Lord. God, we thank you for your word, for even Cain and Abel, and the, what we can learn from their experience, from their relationship with one another, and even with you how we can grow and change in our relationship with you on this life journey that we're on. God, I pray that our time in your word will be profitable, will be beneficial, will challenge and shape us and grow us in ways that we didn't even expect, but that you knew would happen. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this worship service as we celebrate the love of Jesus Christ. I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 4. We're going to be studying from that chapter in God's Word this morning. I know many of you, like me, were saddened and shocked on Christmas Day when you heard about the explosion in downtown Nashville. Why would a man park an RV on a busy street, fill it with explosives, and then early that morning on Christmas Day uh, set off the explosives, injuring eight people and damaging a number of buildings on that city block? And every time someone does something like that, whether it's a a mass explosion or a mass shooting, we ask why. We don't understand. We don't understand what makes people do things like that, and you'll always hear a national conversation about it, Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss things like mental health issues, and you'll often hear how they are loners and don't have friends, and we'll begin asking ourselves, what could we have done to prevent it? What could have been done? earlier in life to help people so that they, they would not have reached the point of doing such destructive and deadly things. And and we talk about how can we fix it and how can we do better? And those are all good questions to ask. And there's value in the answers and things we learn so that we can do better as a society, as a, a culture to help people live a healthy life. But you see, the problem is we seldom ask the deeper question. We seldom look Inside of ourselves, and and deal with what the Bible calls the problem of sin. We we like to talk about people having you know uh, mental health issues or social isolation, and we can fix that, and that would solve all, the, all these problems. But the Bible says there's a bigger problem, a deeper problem that all of us have is the problem of sin, and we don't look at that problem. We don't want to talk about it. In fact, we seldom use the word sin anymore. And yet scripture tells us that all of us have been damaged by sin. I have been damaged by sin. You have been damaged by sin. All of us have a sin problem. Now, we would not set off an explosive and destroy buildings and lies. We would not, you know, we're not mass shooters. But can we be honest? We do murder people's reputations with gossip and criticism. We destroy marriages and relationships and friendships with our attitudes, our speech, our behavior, our decisions, our lifestyles. Many of us struggle with addictions and with bad habits that shorten our lives or that interfere with healthy relationships. As human beings, because of this sin problem, we can be selfish. We can be vengeful. We can be resentful. We can be indifferent toward others and their needs and their problems. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have a sin problem. And sometimes that sin problem shows up in extreme cases, like someone who sets off explosives or who becomes a mass murderer. In the Bible, the first the first tragedy for one person killed another person is the story of Cain and Abel found in Genesis chapter 4. And you and I can learn a lot about ourselves about life, and about our sin problem by looking at their story. And that's what I want us to do this morning. In chapter 4 of Genesis, Cain was a farmer. He was an agriculturist. Abel was a, a keeper of the flocks. He tended sheep and other things. And there was an occasion when both of these men, these, these two brothers, brought an offering to God. Now Cain brought what he had, the fruit of the ground, the crops that he raised. Abel brought what he had, some of the firstlings of his flock and the, the fat of those flocks, according to the to Genesis chapter 4. And then the Bible says something interesting. It says that he had regard for Abel and his offering but did not have regard for Cain and his offering. What does it mean when the Bible says he had regard? Regard means to gaze intently, to stare at it. It's the picture of God looking at Abel and his offering and smiling and being very pleased with it, thinking that it was good and it was beautiful. But when it came to Cain as a person and Cain's offering, when God looked at him, he did not gaze with a smile. It was not pleasing to God. And then God and Cain had a conversation. And I want you to listen to what God said to Cain in Genesis chapter four, starting at verse six. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must conquer it. Now notice Cain's response. God was pleased with Abel and his offering, not with Cain and his offering. And God spoke several important things to Cain. And how did Cain react? He reacted with anger. In fact, the Bible says he became very, very angry. And his countenance was fallen. It's the picture of him kind of looking down and feeling dejected. So he's angry and he's discouraged and he's dejected and he's looking down and he's angry. And what happens? he strikes out at his brother and commits the first murder recorded in the word of God. Now, that's a story that's familiar to many of us. I want us to look at that story a little more closely this morning, ask some questions, learn some lessons that can help us understand ourselves, understand life, understand sin and the problem that we have with sin. And, 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 And so the first question that comes to mind is why did God look with favor at Abel and his offering, but not with favor at Cain and his offering? And the answer is really simple. Here's the answer Cain, his religion, his faith was half hearted. He was not fully devoted to God, he was not all in. He was half hearted in his approach to God. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, I know that for several reasons. One is the offering itself. You see, Abel brought to God the first fruits, the firstlings of his flock, and the fatted portion. Now, Cain brought what he had, the grain, but he didn't bring the first fruits. He didn't bring the best. Grain offerings and animal offerings were both acceptable to God. God wants the first fruit, the firstlings. God wants the fat. God wants the best. And Abel had enough faith to do that, whereas Cain brought God the leftovers. He brought God what was convenient. He did not bring God the first fruit of the harvest. He did not bring God the best of his harvest. And another reason is seen in their faith. There was a difference in their faith. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, verse 4, says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. They they both brought a sacrifice to God, but Abel's was better because he had faith. He had the kind of faith that allowed him to bring God his best, his first, his best. Cain had the kind of faith that caused him to bring to God what was convenient, what was easy, what was left over. And so one's faith was strong and, and made a difference in how they approached God and the other's faith was weak, and that also showed up in how he approached God. He had a half-hearted devotion to God. So it's seen both in the offering and in the difference in their faith, but it's also seen in the difference in their two lifestyles. In the New Testament book of First John chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says this, Cain, who was of the evil one of the devil, the Bible says, slew his brother, and for what reason? Here's the question. For what reason did he slay him? The Bible says because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous even before the murder even before the offering Abel was living a righteous life whereas Cain was not and so here you have a man who was half-hearted in his devotion to God it showed up in his unrighteous living it showed up in his weak faith it showed up in him giving God the leftovers instead of the best and the first and 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 so the first lesson for us is this A half-hearted devotion to Jesus Christ does not work. A half-hearted devotion to God is not what we need. You see, being half-hearted in our devotion does not produce righteous living, does not produce great faith. What it does is leave way too much room in our life for sin, too much room in our life for disobedience. And so a half-hearted faith, a half-hearted devotion does not work. God says we are to go all in with him. Now, the second lesson is this, that sin affects our emotions and our demeanor. It affects how we feel. And as a result, what we do. In chapter four of Genesis, again, in verse five, the Bible tells us that God did not have regard for Cain's offering. And then the second part of the verse, it says, so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. As I said earlier, he was very angry, and he was looking down, dejected and upset. And and that was his e- emotions. And so God, God God recognized that in Cain, and wanted Cain to recognize that in himself, because emotions have a big influence on us. We we sometimes because of our sin, because of our bad decisions because of our habits, because of our failures, beat ourselves up, and we do it time and time again. And the more we beat ourselves up, the angrier we become. We're mad at ourselves, we're mad at others, we're mad at God, we're mad at everybody. And when these emotions control us, what do they do? They lead to more sin. They create in us habits and patterns. It becomes a a vicious cycle because we beat ourselves up and we're angry and we're blaming others and we're blaming God and we're mad. That cycle just gets deeper and more vicious. It gets worse and worse and leads to repeated behavior that rather than making things better makes them worse. And God knew this. And so we had this conversation with Cain. Look at it again in verse 6. He asked Cain a question. He said, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you dejected? Now God already knew the answer. He was asking Cain that question to help Cain. He wanted Cain to do some self-reflection. He wanted Cain to gain some self awareness and God was giving him an opportunity for that. You see, I'm never going to change my behavior, my patterns in life. I'm never going to grow in righteousness and overcome sin if I am not able and willing to develop self-awareness. If I cannot own my own decisions, own my own mistakes, own my own sin and become aware of how I am contributing to the problems in my life, how I am the one that's doing things that that create the pain and the hurt and the failure and the disappointment in my life. God wanted Cain to have self-awareness. And so he asked the question. And God wants you to answer that same question. Why are you angry? Why do you feel the way you feel? What are you doing to contribute to the situation in your life. And then God did something else in verse 7. He said to Cain, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Your head will be lifted up. You'll smile and you'll feel better. You'll be happy. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. God not only asked Cain a probing question, God gave Cain some very clear, very wise, very good guidance. He gave Cain a way forward to a better life. He gave him hope that Cain, if you will do what is right, you will feel better and life will be better. But if you do not do what is right, here is the warning. Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. You see, sometimes we're like an angry teenager or a angry young adult who is in you know rebellion against mom and dad rebellion against god and making bad decision after bad decision creating all kinds of problems for themselves and for their loved ones and a loving parent comes to them and tries to help them tries to give them guidance tries to instruct them tries to correct them tries to help them and what happens sometimes those teenagers those young adults in their anger and rebellion and frustration Push the parents further away and become angrier and angrier and more rebellious and more rebellious. And sometimes we do the same thing with God. God asks us these probing questions. God tries to get us to have self-awareness. God gives us clear guidance and direction for a better life. And and he warns us that if if you do what's wrong, it's just going to get worse, not better. And sometimes rather than listening to God, we react with anger toward God. We blame God. We blame other people. And things simply get worse. You see, emotions affect affect how we behave and sin messes up our emotions but here's the third lesson from Cain's response it's this God cannot help us if we don't listen to him God cannot help you if you don't listen to him just as God cannot help me if I don't listen to him and follow his instruction that's the third lesson the fourth lesson is also very important and it's this sin wants you Sin wants me. It wants all of us. Sin wants you. And sin wants to destroy you. It wants to create pain and hurt in your life. Sin wants to mess up your life. Sin wants to ruin your life. Create problems for yourself. In verse 7, God told Cain that sin's desire is for you and it is for all of us. Sin wants you and not for good purposes. And God says, Cain, if you don't do what is right, you need to understand that sin is crouching at the door ready to pounce. It's like a wild animal that is ready to attack. Many of us have seen on television videos of lions stalking their prey and they will kneel down and crawl and sneak up through the grass, get close to their prey. And then at the right moment, they will pounce, they will leap. And sometimes the Bible says what happens in our life is sin acts just like that lion. We leave the door cracked. We leave the door open through our emotions and through our behavior and through our rebellion and through our failure to listen to God. And suddenly, at the right moment, sin leaps out, sin jumps out. And the next thing you know, we've done something devastating. We've done something that has created significant problems for ourselves and for our loved ones. Sin is destructive. Sin is painful. Sin damages life like a leaping lion, a crouching animal. And it's really interesting and informative and scary and sad to understand all the different images, all the different word pictures, all the different metaphors found in the old and new Testament for sin and what it does to our lives. For instance, one is this sin is called a heavy burden. Psalm 38 verse four for my iniquities, my sin, the Bible says are gone over my head. They, they, they flood me over like waters. They overwhelm me. And, and it's like a, a heavy burden. They weigh me down. They weigh, they weigh too much for me. It's like because of our sinful decisions and patterns and history and habit It's like we're walking around with this heavy burden, this heavy weight on our back, on our shoulder, and it's hard to carry, and it just keeps weighing us down and wearing us out. God says that's what sin does to life. That's what, that's what sin does to you. That's what it wants to do to you. The second analogy, metaphor, word picture, if you will, for sin is like an infected wound. Psalm 38, verse 5, the Bible says, my wounds grow foul. That means they smell, they stink and fester because of my folly, because of my foolish sins. You ever had a a cut on your hand, a scratch, and you didn't take care of it, and it started festering up, and, and it started looking bad, and maybe even if you let it go long enough, it would begin to smell. And the Bible says, when you don't deal with sin the right way in your life, that's what happens. It begins to smell. It begins to fester. It makes your life look not beautiful, and smell not beautiful. And you can lose a limb. You can lose your life. Sin is like an untreated wound. Thirdly, the Bible says sin is like a stain. The Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 2, verse 22 said, although you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, you try to clean yourself up and make yourself look good. He says, but the stain of your sin, your iniquity, is before me, declares the Lord God. In other words, no matter what we do, God sees our sin. Sin is like a stain on that new shirt, and we try to wash it out, but we can't get rid of all of it. And God has always seen it. Sin is a stain. And unfortunately, many of you are walking around covered with the stains of sin because you haven't been willing to deal with your sins and bring them to Christ and allow His blood to wash you clean and change your life. Another analogy or metaphor in the Bible for sin is like a crack in the wall or a crack in the dam, if you will. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 30, verse 13 said, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It's like a dam, if you will. And suddenly a small crack develops in that dam, dam. And as the the pressure of the water works on it, that crack gets wider and bigger until finally the dam breaks, the wall cracks, and the flood just, the water goes floods everywhere. And the Bible says that's sin. Sin is that crack, that crack in the wall of your life. And if you don't deal with it the right way, if you don't fix it, that crack gets bigger and bigger until eventually there is such a flood of devastation, your life, is ruined another metaphor, another lesson, another another word picture for sin in the Bible is, is, is a strong wind. It's like a strong wind that blows the leaves wherever they want to go. Isaiah the prophet, again in chapter 64, said all of us wither like a leaf, like the leaves that fall from the trees in the fall. And he says our iniquities, our sins, like the wind, Take us away. It's like you're raking the leaves in your lawn and all of a sudden there's a gust of wind and all the leaves you've raked up are just scattered everywhere. They blow everywhere. The Bible says that's what sin does to your life. Some of you are living without purpose, without direction, and you're going wherever the wind of sin takes you. You're, you're going wherever the wind of sin blows you. Because God's not in control, you're not in control, you're allowing sin to blow you wherever it wants to take you in life. And what a tragedy, what a sad picture of life and the consequence of sin that really is. Another word picture, another metaphor of sin is a king that rules us. In the New Testament book of Romans chapter 6 verse 12, the Bible says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey it's lust. It's like sin is a king that tells you what to do. Sin is a king that is your boss. Sin is a king that orders you around. And what do you do? Whatever sin wants you to do. It's the king of your life. Another metaphor is that sin is like a master who owns you like a slave. It's chapter 6 again. In verse 6, the Bible says, Our old self, that the us, the me, before I met Jesus Christ, was crucified with him. When I gave my life to Christ, that old me died. And it happened so that in order that our body of sin might be done away with, the Bible says, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Apart from intimacy with Christ, apart from obedience to Christ, the Bible says we are slaves to sin. We have these habits, we have these patterns, these lifestyles, and we're not free. In other words, brothers and sisters, there is absolutely nothing good that can be said about sin. Everything it does, everything it does is bad, is hurtful, painful. It brings ruin and destruction. Nothing that sin does is good. And God says, you've got to learn to deal with it, deal with it the right way. If you look at chapter 4 of Genesis again in verse 7, at the end of it, God said, Cain, you must master it. See, Cain had a choice. Cain could choose to listen to God and listen to His Word and do what God said, follow His instructions, or Cain could follow his emotions, his anger, his being mad at God and mad at Abel and everybody else. Cain, Cain had a choice to make and the decision he made was going to shape his life and the consequences were going to be very different very different based on which decision he made and the same thing is true for you and me i have a choice and you have a choice we can listen to god and his word or we can follow our emotions and our thoughts and our ideas and whatever we want and the outcomes are going to be radically different so you say pastor how do i overcome sin How do I master sin? That's the final lesson that I want to share with you this morning is that you can master sin. You can defeat sin in your life. You can overcome sin in your life. God would not have told Cain to master it if it was not possible for him to do so. Now, I'm not talking about us being perfect. I'm talking about us living a righteous life. I'm talking about us living a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. I'm talking about us being faithful to our Lord and Savior. I'm talking about us being different and not controlled by sin. I'm talking about us being different and looking like disciples, looking like followers of Christ. So how do we do that? How do we master sin? Let me share with you real quickly four suggestions, four helps. One is we have to have honest self-reflection, honest self-awareness. We must look in the mirror and see what is really there. We must be willing and able to take a good look at our lives and see what is good, but also see our habits, our decisions, our patterns, our attitudes, our approach to things that bring about failure, that bring about problems, that bring about pain, that bring about disappointment, that bring about sin. Self-awareness is critical to life conviction of our own sin and awareness of our sin and sometimes we need help we need we need feedback if you will from people we trust and people who care about us people who have the courage to be honest with us people who will share with us the truth and not just anybody but people who are godly that will give us wise feedback sometimes we need that in order to have self-awareness but on a self-awareness on a self-reflection is the first help first suggestion the second one is submission or surrender to god to to fully be all in with jesus to fully be all in with the lord with our lord god and and to listen to him if cain had listened to him to listen to him and and to listen to his word to listen to his word to read it to get into it and to follow it that is why i'm so excited that we have a a Bible reading plan here at First Baptist for 2021. And you can pick up a copy of it here at the church on Sundays or download it from our website. And I encourage you in 2021 to read God's word with us Uh, there's there's five chapters a week one chapter a day five days a week and every Monday through Friday in the morning I release a video where I talk about the chapter you read for that day Uh, just a brief five to ten minute devotion where you get into the word of God self-awareness is important but listening to God submitting to God listening to his word submitting to his word is also important the third suggestion the third help is repentance repentance And that means confessing my sin, agreeing with God and not arguing about it, not justifying it, not making excuses, but confessing it. It also means turning from it and turning to righteousness. It's not enough to simply say, God, I'm sorry. I have to turn from that sin. Repentance also involves change and turning to Christ, turning to right living, turning to righteousness, and you need to do that. That's the starting point. That's the first step. And then the final suggestion, the final help is is the importance of community, to be in fellowship with other believers, to be in relationship with other believers so there can be mutual encouragement and mutual accountability. That's one of the powerful things about our D group ministry here at the church. Can you imagine what would have happened if Cain, instead of following his emotion of anger and dejection and 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 going out into the field and attacking and murdering his brother. Can you imagine what would have happened if Cain instead had gone out into that field and said to Abel, hey, Abel, I, I'm not doing it right. And I, I know you are. You're, you're, you're righteous and you're living with for, for, for God fully. And, and you're giving him the best. And and I'm struggling with that. Can you help me? Can can you teach me how to have a better faith? Can can you teach me how to how to give God my best? I, I need your encouragement and I, I need your support and and I need your prayers and I, I need your love. Can you imagine how things would have been different if, if rather than following his emotions and being angry and attacking, he had listened to God and he had reached out to his brother? Wow. What about you? Running from God, running from the church, running from Sunday school, running from the people of God, isolating yourselves. Solo Christianity never makes God smile. Never strengthens you and blesses you. You need community with God and with God's people. And so again, I encourage you this new year, 2021. To get into God's word and read the Bible with us. To listen to those devotions and allow God to speak to you. And when you hear him, follow his instruction. Follow his guidance. In fact, the starting point is right now. As you hear God speaking to your heart. As you hear God speaking to your mind. Right now, do what God is saying. Listen to him and follow his instruction. Follow his prompting. Obey his prompting right now and get into Sunday school. Stop stop making excuses. Stop just showing it up at church when it's convenient and when you don't have anything else planned. But make it a commitment to be in worship on the Lord's day. Make a commitment to be in Sunday school and in community and in relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ every Sunday so that God can begin transforming your life and growing you and making you more righteous, strengthening your faith, growing you, let God heal you of your anger, heal you of your resentment, heal you of all your rebellion, and let God cleanse you and heal you and free you of the sin that is dominating your life, because God wants something so much better for you. I want something better for you. And you know something? I believe that deep in your heart, deep in your soul, you want something better for you. You want a relationship with Jesus Christ that is real and growing and that makes you righteous and and makes your life better. I believe that's what you want. And you can have it if you listen to what he's saying to you right now and obey him and turn to him. Let today be the day you begin this new journey with Jesus Christ. And we want to help you. I want you to, to let us pray with you. Send you some materials that will help you. Let us help you connect with a Sunday school class. Text the keyword Jesus to the number that is on your screen, and one of our pastors will be in touch with you. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today, and I look forward to sharing with you next Sunday. fill the law and prophets to
0: Thank you for joining us here online today. It's always an honor to host you online. We'd also love to invite you to join us in person. If you're in the Rock Hill area, 9 a.m., 1030 a.m. on Sundays, we've got fantastic worship experiences uh, every Sunday for you to engage with in person. Uh, Just so you know, as you uh, make that decision, if you're in our area, we do provide a tremendous, healthy, safe environment for you in these times that we're in uh, so we can maintain your health as you worship the Lord. Uh, Also, check out the website, fbcrockhill.org. There you will find opportunities to connect with us in in every form, whether it's in small groups, discipleship groups, online, virtually, or in person. We're providing opportunities for you to continue your walk with God uh, in every form uh, you can imagine. Look forward to seeing you soon, and you have a blessed day.